This is Thank You Heartbreak. Hi, everyone. I'm Chelsea Lee Trescott. As a breakup coach, relationship advice columnist, and the founder of Break Upward, Chelsea is passionate about human beings and their stories. She talks to people about their journeys in love, growth, heartbreak, revelations, and every wound and lesson along the way. This podcast shines a light on heartbreak, showing you that the most crushing experiences are also your greatest opportunity to become meaningful, relatable human beings. Now, let's get to the heart of it. Hi, everyone. This is Chelsea Lee Truscott, breakup coach and podcast host of Thank You Heartbreak. And this is episode 193 with Franco Stevens. To skip this intro entirely and go right into my conversation with my guest, go to somewhere around the eight minute mark. I am just beaming because outside right now, it is like a whole new world. It has that vibe of the changing seasons and I never appreciated seasons. I grew up in Miami, so it was just hot all the time. And then I moved to New York and I got into it. It clicked like, wow, there are seasons and one might feel differently as they approach a new season. I am feeling differently. I can't imagine that everyone isn't feeling differently. Ah, it just feels like love is in the air. I like perk up. It feels so good outside and the wildest thing just happened. So my friend the other night said, Chelsea, we have to get ourselves to a sports bar. We've got to meet the men there. And I said, okay, okay, I'll go. And we roll up around this corner, there's a sports bar, and essentially we just said, you know what, we're gonna sit with them. It was this group of about four guys, and that's really kind of what happened. We just sat down with them, and it was great. Like, a great group of men. Two were married, two weren't, the perfect balance, and it was just, I mean, you would swear. I mean, I think people were looking like, these women are nuts. These women just sat down with their group of guys, And would you believe it? Acting like they've known each other their whole lives. So perfect night, it was so fun. And just now I felt this urge to walk down a different way back home. And as I'm coming down on my street, the sports bar that has been closed down because of a COVID has reopened and they've set up like all these kind of like couchy like areas and everyone has their own individual tv i mean it is major vibes that are going on so i walk past it kind of in awe my mouth drops wow and i get a text would you believe it it's the guy from the sports bar who's now at the sports bar on the corner of my street so life feels so small and it's Those things that really I get hooked on. I get hooked on the fact that for so long it was really difficult for me just to listen to myself. It was that small voice really early on that just said like, hey, just keep on walking or walk down this street or ask this person this question, reach out to this person. It was small. And then as you begin listening and you see the power and the rewards that come from listening to your intuition, you start being able to make bigger, grander, more pressing decisions from that place. So that's what happened. I just, something inside of me said, you know, go this different way home. If I had walked the other way, I never would have gone by the sports bar. Anyway, so it feels like a small world. Also, off of that, it goes really well into who my guest is today. 
I'm going to give you a little bit of the backstory. But again, I feel like when there's like these coincidental moments, when you see someone that you've just seen or things just align, to me, it really is an indication that I'm right on time in life. Like I'm guiding myself in the right direction because things are syncing up. So about two years ago, which is just shocking. In fact, I don't think it's about, I think it is two years ago. I met my guest today. And basically I had been photographed by this photographer. And when it was put on Instagram, I saw that the person that he had just photographed before me was Franco. I'm like, who is this guy? He's so hot, so hot, so hot, so hot. And so I was fantasizing. And then I was on set and I see this face, but it doesn't click that that's the guy that I saw on Instagram. So I'm talking to some people and I guess they're asking me about my breakup coaching and all this. And Franco turns around and says that he has a friend that's going through this divorce. What's my advice? Well, that friend he was referring to was really himself. And anyway, we instantly began talking and opening up to each other. And then I realized who he was and it was just astounding. You know, you have this fantasy when you see these pictures of someone and now they're right in front of you in the flesh. So what ended up happening was we were, you know, dressed to the nines. It was this wedding scene and we're in Lincoln Center and the fountain was going and it was the perfect day. It really was. And it was because nothing feels better to me than being close to someone, talking to someone really deeply and having that laughter and that bursts of life and energy. So the really high highs of laughing and then just like the depths of really opening up about what's going on in your life. And so that was Franco and I the whole day. And we got off about 4 a.m. And I know that he's really credited me for being one of the pivotal players in helping him get out of this marriage. But I always think about what he did for me that day. And it was at 4 a.m., I'll never forget, going back home and thinking I made the right choice. It had been a few months since I had broken up with my boyfriend and I think I was still looking maybe for the clarity or the signs that I had chosen correctly, that the choice to you know go deeper into my life and stay in New York and to remain open and just see what was gonna happen for me as a solo person. It was like that day with Franco. It was just like, this is why I did this. And that might not make sense to people like, okay, you just bonded with someone. Why should you be single for that? But for me, up until that point, I'd get into these relationships and I hope this doesn't happen for me again. I don't imagine that it will. I think I've changed like basically in that way. But in relationships, and maybe it was a component of being long distance, but I would be fixated on them. It would be about us. And I wasn't available enough to the people in front of me, to the life in front of me, to where I was at. So when I went home that night, I was like, yes, I made the right choice. I just knew that like I am meant to at this moment be on my own. And so it was a defining moment for me. And I just remember feeling, I don't usually like this word, but I think it was hopeful. Hopeful that the choice to be alone and to let go of someone I really loved and who really loved me was going to make me stronger. And it was gonna offer me connections that I would never be able to get because I wouldn't be available to them. So I'm excited to introduce you to Franco. And I hope you feel like a fly on the wall, just listening to two people that know each other, respect each other, and enjoy each other, talk about love, life, 
careers, all the things. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> You're so funny. I love it. I can't believe it's been what two years. How is that possible? Has it actually been two years? Because I was thinking in my mind it was only like a year and change. It is going to be two years this June when we met in Lincoln Center. What do you think about that in terms of time just flying? I will say, like, I think being connected on social, it doesn't feel that long because I feel like I see what you're working on. I see what you're doing and vice versa. And I used to think it was stupid to like know so much about somebody yet not see them. That is kind of unfortunate because we don't really need to like get coffee or connect we are so busy and then we make that as an excuse where it's like, oh, well, I see that Chelsea's doing good. I see that she's right. working on this, this, and this. So I kind of feel like I already am hanging out with you in a virtual sense, even before COVID. What do you think about two years ago where you were at and where you're at now? Do you ever judge yourself about how much you've done in two years? Yeah, you know, probably not. I'm a little bit easier on myself because I always am not afraid to make the move or I'm not afraid to like quit the job. And I mean, maybe the fact of the matter is, you know, I don't need a lot of overhead. I don't need to necessarily have the perfect apartment or the perfect situation. I'm kind of like go with the flow. I remember those pictures and the videos when you first flew into LA. How much did you know about what the future was going to look like when you landed in LA? I kind of didn't know what was going to happen work-wise because I went there not having a job. But you know what the nice thing about it was? I've convinced myself that I kind of tell people that do get concerned and are worried. I'm like, oh, I have something lined up. It's almost like I create this vision for that. And it's probably false or it's lying. And then... (laughs) But it's about yourself. It's about myself. And I'm not really proud of lying to people that I care about. Is it so they do worry and they don't put their fear onto you? Probably just like me figuring out having this conversation with you. I never really thought too much about it besides I listened to The Secret, The Law of Attraction. So in my head, I'm like, oh, I have this job set up. Whether it ends up being the job or whether it ends up being the apartment, it always kind of comes into play. Like I always end up figuring it out. Right. Right. So you're actually never lying. You're just predicting your future. And they're holding you accountable because you've told them. (laughs) You nailed it. You nailed it. Wow. I never really thought of that until you said that. I'm predicting my future. You know, I remember when I first went around and said I was a breakup coach. They say when you first say something out loud, you're almost holding yourself accountable because now it's out in the world. Now someone can loop back around and ask you about it. Yes. Yes. I do owe you, seriously, once I make it big, I definitely owe you some money because 50% <laughs> of that breakup, I would say 50% it was me and maybe like friends mm-hmm. and I would say some family that helped me. But the other 50%, I met you the day that it was kind of like all unraveling. 
and you didn't really pressure you just listened and you really were so open to the fact that like maybe it will work out and i already convinced myself no it's over it's done but like you kind of said even though you're a breakup coach you don't expect it to always end Mm -hmm. i mean i remember that you wrote him that letter that morning when you walked out to go and do this job Someone was talking to me, got brought up that I was a breakup coach and you were listening and you turned around and you offered this story about your friend and you made it about someone else. And you're like, what should they do? I'm just really close to them. And I'm like, there is no way he's asking for someone else. And then eventually it came out that it was you. I know. I know. And you know, it's interesting, Chelsea, what also gravitated towards me Well, it's kind of like me predicting my future. I basically lied to you and said it was my friend. And not that this is relevant, but your voice, I wasn't even really listening to like what you were saying. I just heard that voice and I'm like, is she a voiceover actress? Is she like, that voice is like so interesting. Like it is kind of one of those voices that you just want to listen in. You're like, I don't care what she's saying. (laughs) Oh my God, tell me more. Uh, there was the other part about it that was so wild was that guy had shot different photos of us and we had been on Instagram in the same feed. And I remember looking at your pictures and be like, who is this man? He's so hot. (laughs) More photos. And then, yeah, just like life strangely brought us together and it didn't happen again after that. I didn't see you again after that. No, we had scheduled and I even like with Michelle, my ex, I even like talked about you and I said, this is, I think, a really good investment because I didn't think I was going to just like totally end it. I just thought it was healthy to get you involved. And he was just like, oh, it's we can't afford it. Like we can't afford it. He's like, I would love to if I had the money. And I just kept thinking to myself, like, we're never going to have the money. You just have to do it. Like, and just, I don't know, get the credit card out. Yeah, I mean, that in life, it's just you're, you could always wait for more until you're yeah. more ready, you're more prepared. What is the relationship like now? You know, it's interesting when you reached out to me, I was like kind of like all over the place for the last year. I've been like seeing this person, hanging out with this person, like, you know, nothing serious. But I think in the back of my head, I'm like, can we just get this like divorce finalized? And then, you know, we had a group chat with our Penn State uh, Zoom call I set up and I invited him to the chat and I think it's perfectly normal. Now, two of my close friends from New York that live in LA now, surprisingly, one of them was part of that. And she just said, oh, wow, you are so nice to him, your ex, to just be able to bring him in like you or just like nothing's happened. And I said... I'll even say her name. She doesn't care. I said, Pooja, I love people. And I don't really think anybody's done me wrong. It's just how you perceive it. So, you know, your parents could do you wrong or your best friend could do you wrong. But if you keep like harping on they treated you poorly and this and that, like you need to forgive. And like, regardless if they deserve it or not, it's just going to make you healthier and happier. Do you think it was a process for you to forgive or was that like innately in you when you decided to let him go? 
I guess since he is a really good person and has a big heart, it was easy to like forgive just given that, you know, I had probably good four years out of five years. So I kind of knew that it was like, okay. And I also knew I wasn't perfect. I made a lot of mistakes. So I kind of look at like, if anything, he probably forgave me a lot more than I deserved. I was on this podcast yesterday and she was like, how do you tap into gratitude? Like she thought it was such a novel concept that there would be something like, thank you next to heartbreak. And it sounds like you're someone that is saying that you could look at the majority of the years rather than the final act, you know, or you see what someone gave you. What was your first experience of someone else thinking someone had wronged you, but you still embracing the experience or the person? Do you remember like that first time? Oh, um, regarding... It could have been like a friendship. It doesn't have to be a romantic situation. You know, that's very interesting you ask that because if anything, this is going to be seriously like not my proudest moment. I think I might have wronged people over being wronged. I'm not proud of that. I don't have any excuse. That was just who I was. And I think think that I don't really, I mean, if I do have a situation or experience, I don't remember somebody wronging me. I mean, maybe my boss, I guess. (laughs) No, you don't need a boss. Um, Exactly. You were someone that you said it was just the way that you were, that you were able to wrong people. Did people ever circle back and look for reasons? And like, what did you feel about giving them? What did you feel like you owed someone? I think I owed somebody definitely apology and I probably know that like, I'm sorry, like I can't explain why I'm just not feeling this friendship or feeling this like romantic relationship anymore. Like, I don't know if it's just I've changed, you know, or you've changed, or maybe I'm just kind of one of those people that I almost want to like take the next step, you know, move to the next home, uh, take the next vacation, move on to the next relationship, because I feel like it's run its course. Now, that happened to me. And I probably can't fault him for ending it or wanting to end it because it's like, you know, it's ran its course. And sometimes, you know, that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. And you can't fake how you feel, or you should shouldn't a lot of people do now does it make you worried that things will always just be a burst of something and then you'll move past it yeah i mean i try to like not worry because i know it's the inevitable as i get older i think it's one of those things that you know i have to make a conscious effort of like quality versus quantity because i can't be like a best friend to 10 people like i know one of my really good buddies, Jonathan, he is like a best friend to 10 people. And he truly is a best friend. I admire that, but I don't want that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I've seen that personality. And I think sometimes, you know, someone really prides themselves on being someone's number one. Yes. How about you? I mean, do you feel like you are like how many people's best friends? And then do you feel like you have like a lot of best friends are just minimal. I actually went on an apology tour for one week in quarantine. That was an interesting part in just friendships of circling back and getting people's perspective. Also, it made me realize that as a friend, 
someone might want me to be the girl that talks them up in front of others, but I don't feel like they need that. And there's certain they realize someone might say that that's what a best friend does, but that's not the friend that I'm going to be. And that's something that I want to make peace with is that we, I'm going to be a certain friend in your life and I can acknowledge the things that I won't do and the limitations I have, but that's what just makes me this sort of friend. You know, I was someone that was so social and I lost that for a long time. So I think that I've been understanding again, like the importance of friendships, especially as I've been single, since I always made the relationship the best friend. Yeah. 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 And you kind of know that about yourself and it's hard to figure out. (laughs) It takes time to figure that out. I mean, I'm still learning like, oh God, like, I mean, you have these two really close friends and like they're both having a baby and they both actually ironically asked me to be the godfather. Well, that says so much about you as a friend. I mean, talk about quality. And I didn't think of myself. I'm like thinking, hmm, maybe it's just a loose term now. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Because I don't necessarily think that people take it as serious as they used to. It's like the godfather, if something happens to the parents or like you. You are responsible. Yes, yes. Believe me, I take as a compliment. But I know, for instance, one of those friends, I'm probably going to like just be there more for based on our relationship and based on like their marriage with that other person. I mean, it's kind of like, it just is easy. And like, there's not the pressure of being there showing up or being present. It's kind of like that effortless friendship Hmm. compared to the other one where it's like, they're in a volatile relationship and you never know like what's really going to happen. And there is no marriage. So like, not that that matters anymore. If you like have a child out of wedlock, it's just, there's a lot of interesting things going on that concerns me as a friend. And I don't really want to be part of drama. Wait, so you might not be the godfather? I think that's going to be probably a loose godfather. Do you think that they asked you because it sounds like you're the soundy board for them? You're the confidant about their actual relationships. Is that true? Yes. And I think that they might just be kind of like me, quality versus quantity. So they don't have a ton of close friends. So like, they might be like, okay, like, you know, love Franco. He would be a fun, you know, uncle. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, give me a number. I mean, how many friends do you think that you have? I would say probably seven. Have you been on these Zoom happy hours with tons of people? I've only done it like the Penn State group, which is my college. And then that was probably like seven. And, you know, we're more like reminiscing of the old times. I don't think we're all like super close. I think probably three out of the 10 I'm really good friends with. I think probably total, maybe two Zoom or three Zoom calls, you know? So refreshing. I felt like I was so not a part of that world that I feel like I have very individual relationships. I'm usually someone's again, to use that word, the confidant, but I'm not a part of the group. Like I will be friends with everyone in the group, but I won't be invited to the dinner. Oh, yes. I got you. I got you. Yeah. I think that kind of makes it sound like you are definitely like easy to be around. You're definitely so much fun, but then it's maybe not Who knows? I try to get feedback. I think it's that it's deep relationships. And then 
I don't know, people have told me this and who knows, it can be about me in a big group, you know, uh, that, yeah. like, that I feel like on set, like I put on a show that it's exactly. not as much room for everyone else. Yes, yes. And I do think that is something that I kind of have to work on myself. But are you think it's because everybody kind of wants to be like a little bit of center of attention? Do you know what I mean? Sometimes I'm blown away by how neutral some people's personalities can be. And that. Um, I just struggle with that. I think maybe there's an element of me that like I don't kind of like to fade into the background. So to be a part of a group and just to be one at the table doesn't seem as meaningful to me. Yeah, yeah. Like you're not afraid to just be yourself and be the center of attention and maybe direct the conversation or direct. Bring the energy up, you know, be responsible for some of the vibe. (laughs) I mean, when we went out to like in between (laughs) uh, a set, it's like we probably spent all of the money we made just like from getting like drinks at that restaurant. The Smith. (laughs) I love being around a group of men. I'll tell you that. They definitely like you. (laughs) It was so fun. I can understand why that is maybe why people perceive you as that. Because I agree with you. Like I find myself really enjoying people, even like potential lovers and potential like good friends that are a little bit like you or just even just like a little bit crazy that's not a neutral vibe right I realized that again like during this quarantine I think I've just been seeing myself more clearly or it's been an element of finally dating again and you get this feedback you do see how you make someone feel or, or they'll mention things and I realized that there is something a little bit shocking about me there's a shock effect that I bring or I don't know. I think that people play it much safer than me, whereas I expose myself so freely and so immediately, and that can be shocking for people. I'd rather call myself out on my flaws than have someone figure them out later. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. And I always think, you know, with being confident as we are in front of the camera and like guiding the conversation, bringing the, you know, the energy... I want to tap into my flaws and expose them because I also don't want people to think like, oh my God, this guy is like so cocky. And then I think that you seem like you're, I always use this word impenetrable and unrelatable. People don't want that. And it's like, I have been acting like just, I say carefree, but it's become a little bit careless around people, around these guys. Like I've been comfortable being casual and kind of being a bit wild and just unattached. And I like that, but I see how that can make someone feel that it just seems they're so confident and easygoing about everything and they have no stake in the game. Yes. I kind of love that about you. And I could tell through your social and just conversations that we've had. I'm even thinking of the time that you talked about the guy that you, it might've been an old boyfriend that you met up with at Dumbo house. And he just was like, kind of an arrogant prick and then you question like his sexuality but you were like coming from a place that you were like I don't really care like what he is as long as he's a good person I don't know if you remember that conversation no, I can't remember Dumbo house arrogant like years ago that you were talking to me about this when we were it might have been on set I can't even remember 
I wonder who it was. He just like didn't offer to pay. And I think you ended up paying and like, it was kind of like one of those situations But you were meeting up with exes. I wonder if it was my ex back then, but I love him now. And it's funny how maybe I was talking about this one ex that was my best friend. We ended up dating and now we're best friends again. And he's always just been someone that he, yeah, he, he doesn't reach to pay, you know, like I, I always kind of take care of it. And I think that there becomes this thing where you can fight who someone is, or you can get them to try to like wake up to it. Or like, how is it that you always let everyone else pay for you? Or you accept the person that you're going out with. Like there has to be this moment where you stop trying to change them in life and wake them up to themselves, especially if they're not asking for it. And if you're going to be around them, you have to accept that that's just them. Exactly. And I think the sexuality part was maybe that people have asked me if he's gay. It's also not my responsibility to get to the bottom of it. I've realized there's a few men in my life recently where we'll talk so much about dating and everything. I really have no gauge on if they see men or women. They never tell me. And people ask, Chelsea, if you speak to them so much, if you're so close, how do you not know? Sometimes I sense that it's maybe not appropriate to ask. Like They would share it with me at this point. Maybe like, what does it matter? Right, right. I kind of feel you on that. I mean, I think there was a lot of people like that maybe were in college or like even high school that were trying to figure me out. Truthfully, I didn't even, I don't know, even know myself and still like to this day, I find myself like very confused, you know, but... About what? Um, just like what... I want in a partner and who I like. I mean, you know, I had an interviewed with this show on MTV and they just said like, you know, give me the nitty gritty details. Like you can be as shallow as possible when it comes to a partner. And I just felt like to myself, I, I, I mean, I guess I can give you like some made up like version of who I want. Like, okay, Priyanka Chopra or like Dua Lipa. Like, I mean, that's automatically like maybe just because they're on my mind. I'm watching her on TV or I'm listening to her on the radio. So it's just like, that's somebody that I guess like, but truthfully, it's really about one thing. Can they make you laugh for me? Yeah. And that's the most important thing. And I figured that out this year, 29. They have to make you laugh. So I've been told that men do look for that. For the majority, it's not just enough to be a hot girl. You want to see a woman that doesn't take herself so seriously and can be loose and playful and not as rigid in control of herself. And, you know, this is just my perspective. I could be totally off, but. It was probably trendy to like look for the woman that you know you want to procreate with that is like the most beautiful like in society standard like I'm thinking of like blonde hair blue eyes big boobs tight small waist petite or whatever that may be and now it's like there's just so many different walks of life and like women can like showcase a different version of who you know Susie Homemaker was or who like you know like this bimbo that like kind of wasn't really like had any intellect or any humor right right and I could be totally off saying that that's that's my perspective so wait you see yourself with women as well yeah I would say this is true I always 
feel more physically attracted to women than men, but men are easy to get with, easy to like. I mean, we get with you so easily, no? I think they get a little bit. (laughs) I think that they get a little bit turned off by the fact that I could be like fluid. Because I know myself, like if I was a straight female, I probably wouldn't want to get with some guy that like questionable on the like sexuality scale or has definitely been with men. You know, it's just, I think a bisexual woman probably gets me more than like, you know, a straight woman, obviously. But it doesn't seem like you hold that against like someone that's straight and would have that. Because I'll tell you for myself, I think it would come out of a fear that I wouldn't be able to satisfy them ultimately. Right, right. That I mean, that is that's a real thing. I think for me, I would be totally like satisfied. The only downfall is some of my girlfriends that are friends. I do find them like a little bit, not to sound sexist, a little bit more needy and like um, emotional and maybe attached and a little bit more pressure on the relationship than the guys that I've dated because the guys that I dated, usually I'm attracted to somebody that is like very like laissez-faire casual, like kind of goes with the flow. Like there's no pressure, like don't have to talk every day or like every other day. It could be like, it could be a couple days that go by and it's like, how are you? Like, I miss you, but it's not like that. This anxiety hasn't been put onto it. This analysis, this feeling like you were deceived because you haven't heard from someone creating these storylines. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'll be told that I I act like a guy when I'm dating. Uh, And women are like shocked that I've been so upfront with men that I've been seeing that like, you know, that they're not the only one or that I just want something sexual with them or I'll leave with that if that's what I want. And I think that women complain so much about like they assume that men are seeing all these women or that they're going to get played in the end or they're waiting for the green light from the man or the man to decide where it goes. I don't understand these modern women still doing that. I think women should be a little bit more like men and say what they want out of it. And if their intention is casual, like embrace the fact that it's casual. What I've seen when I tell men is that I think it takes pressure off. They know that they're not going to disappoint me because I know where I want it to go. Yes. I kind of get you even more and more because my mom is like that. I mean, she's been married to my dad forever since, you know, before I was born. To be honest, she's like, I make a lot of money and I've always been, and I, I not a lot, but like, you know what I mean? Like enough to just support herself. She's kind of just like, you know, I love your dad and he's good to me. You know, he has his flaws, but like, I'm not like scared of the unknown. Like if something doesn't work out, like, you know, God forbid, like maybe they get divorced and it's like, she's just kind of like, you know, I really don't give a shit. My mom is the same way. My dad is the one that's so much more like tethered to her. And I legitimately think it's why sometimes I sympathize with men more. Yeah. I've just seen how she can be detached or unemotional. How she talks about cheating, for example. is <laughs> yeah. It's almost like, well, if he was going to do that, that that's his choice. And she doesn't get into what that means about her. Yeah. Yeah. I think we did touch on this whenever we discussed it on set. We have similar relationships in our parents. And, you know, I think like my dad 
is like your dad a little bit and um you know you kind of feel bad for them but then you also like realize that like everybody made a choice and everybody's making a commitment and i mean i'm happy that they've stayed together it makes our holidays easier right <laughs> it's, true. it's such like a rare thing it seems like these days though I, uh, I feel like both of us have probably witnessed you know two parents really uh, follow through on the vows the better or worse and I think that there's something romantic about this idea that they chose and they stayed committed to that choice right right uh, and I really wanted to go in with that in my first marriage or- yeah your only marriage <laughs> so far <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say never, but like, I don't really think I kind of knew that going into it. It was like, not really like, for me necessarily like marriage per se, but just because I see people that are unhappy that are married, but they are committed. It's kind of like, Oh, God, like, I want to be committed too. I don't want to just like take it very casual. Do you think you were just young when you got? Yeah, I was young. Why did you get married so young? It was a combination, like, first and foremost, I mean, I wasn't going to move to the Middle East where they're from. And I could have because I did study industrial engineering and there were opportunities in the UAE and Dubai and Abu Dhabi. And, you know, I kind of was like open minded to it down the line. But then I was like, you want to stay here. I want to stay here. We've talked about marriage. We've been together for almost two years. We want to get married eventually because, you know, it's just a cost thing. It was just like, okay, well, we can't really afford to like have a marriage right now. We just moved to New York City. So it's kind of like, let's just do it. And then, you know, the best part about it was it was just us and my friend and like, it was kind of one of those things that I'm like, I really love this version of marriage. It's just so effortless. It was romantic. It was serious. It wasn't like, okay, we're just doing this for the green card. But that being said, that was probably like what pulled the trigger of like, okay, let's do this. And it worked out. I mean, it worked out for four years. But that being said, like you shouldn't get married so young and you should probably like I think be with somebody for a couple years maybe more than two like (laughs) I want to say maybe five you know what's so interesting though is like as I get older I mean you know I'm 32 it's just like I don't feel like I have that time and then you hear people say that as you get older you know faster you're wiser like as you get older I mean think about what you know now compared to what you knew 10 years ago at 22 that I knew so much back then. We were probably on the mature side, but I think everybody thought they were, whether they acted like it right. or didn't. <laughs> we were kind of forced to grow up quickly, especially in our uh, millennial generation. It's like, okay, you go to school, you figure out what job you want to do all at like 20 years old. It's insane to me, though, that we're making those choices so young and that we're not really being informed about how those choices, the impact that they could, what kind of life they could give us. You know, I sometimes say, I mean, it sounds so superficial, but back in the day, I remember if I looked at a magazine, I would always choose the most expensive thing somehow. Someone should have been like, if you keep on choosing the most expensive thing, maybe these are some jobs you should look at. That's that important to you. Then maybe these are the corresponding jobs or something. But no, 
I know. And you know, it's so funny you say that. I think it's kind of one of those situations that I always kind of probably can relate in a lot of ways. Like, okay, so I want, you know, this car, I want to buy a piece of property and I want to like travel three times a year. So I need to get Mm -hmm. this job in 2009 when I graduated high school. It was like you were limited to what field to go into because the economy crashed in 08. This might sound awful, but when we were younger, you know, there was this, I think, feeling with women that men would carry some of that weight. Have you felt the pressure in life? Who would you look to, to carry that weight or to give you the three trips a year? Did you really feel like, okay, I have to be the one that comes up with the money? You know, I kind of wanted to, because I wanted to be the one who took care and the one who could like, I got this. Don't worry. I kind of like have that feeling in my body and my soul. But then I also realized I got a taste of what it was like to be taken care of. Not extremely, you know, lavish, but I was like, actually, you know, I can be better suited to like provide entertainment and provide some sense of a flexible schedule that doesn't pay like the bread and butter and the rent or the mortgage or the cars. But like, I always will want to have to work, but I don't think I have that sense of, okay, now that I've gotten taken care of, I do really want to just do my freelance and take care of myself first. But You know, if somebody that comes along that is successful and financially stable, like, I have no problem being like, okay, if you want to do those three trips, or if you want to buy that real estate, you might have to do it. And you have to be comfortable with my lifestyle, meaning I'm not going to be able to like afford all these things. And you have to be okay with that. Right, right. Now, do you feel like that's really a a valuable enough thing to say that like I bring the entertainment or I bring the emotional connection because I went out with this investment banker and for so long, I thought that I had to be in a place financially in order to even talk to those types, right? And he said something to me, he was like, Chelsea, you're really underestimating what it is to come in and bring someone that's like a fully formed person or someone that is good with other people or that can show up and get people to think deeper. Like I never thought that that was something that I could be bringing to the table and offering that maybe other people aren't. You know what? I guess since I've maybe dated older, yeah, um, maybe like three people, but I never felt like I needed because I kind of always looked at like, you know, my parents, like my mom, she could have easily been like, oh, like I need to be with somebody who's like a doctor or like somebody that like has, you know, a really like impressive life. And she went with like the guy who was like the bartender, the bar owner that wasn't like, you know, anything glamorous, but she said, Oh my God, he was the only guy that was funny and like not jealous and just like really just like didn't try hard to like impress her. It was just a natural connection. And she's like, I'm not going to be like stuck with Mr. Like boring 
investment banker or like, you know where I'm going with this. Of course. She didn't choose someone that was going to be competing with her or that wouldn't let her outstage them at times. Yes. I looked at that as like, okay, uh, I definitely can provide in other ways. Yeah. But I get why you feel that way. I totally get, I should feel that way, what you're describing yourself. And you know, there are times that I just have to be like in a position where I just say up front, Mm -hmm. I had gone to a wedding recently and I brought a date who got the hotel, got the rental car, got like a lot of things. And I said, let me split it with you. Let me split it with you. And they were just like, listen, Franco, like, I was there when, you know, I was your age and, you know, somebody that is successful and has, you know, their finances in check, why are they going to split it with you? Because it's fair. Like they got it, not going to like burden them or burden their bank account. So they're just like, let me just do this. Like, I know that you're not taking advantage of me. I love that. Yeah. Ideal situation. Right. And I think it makes sense. You know, say we get to a point where we're financially really, I guess, what's the right way to say rich? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I haven't gotten close enough to it yet. (laughs) You're funny. (gasps) Yeah. I guess have disposable income. I don't know if you feel this way, but I wouldn't care of being with somebody that might be financially struggling if they're confident and fun and bring other things to the table that I haven't found or I don't find in myself. And I'd be like, yeah, I got this. Don't worry about it. If you feel like you're being taken advantage of, that's a different situation because I don't feel like that is right. You shouldn't be with somebody if you have that feeling. No, I hate it. Do you feel like there is a certain insecurity that you have? When I was, you know, ending the marriage and the relationship, they had been seeing somebody that was maybe more Mm. corporate and involved in engineering or, you know, construction. And they were doing well and they were going back for their masters. And I had found all these details out because we're kind of like open and honest, kind of like, just tell me who you're seeing. And then I kind of figured it out. I think there was that insecurity where I'm like, oh my God, I wish I could be that. But Mm. then I thought to myself, oh my God, what a boring life. Mm. Like for me to just, but me, like not saying that. Not necessarily for them, that they think it's a boring life, but for you. Exactly. I was like, wait. That would really restrain you. Yes. You are living what you are supposed to be living. You are making the decisions that are best for Franco. And you cannot really compete financially, but Mm. you were living Mm. your best life. And I know that sounds so cliche and I know everybody, you know, bastardized that term or that saying, but I do feel like it is so important. If you can be financially stable and live your best life with a career that makes you happy or like just a lifestyle that makes you happy, then you're winning. Do you feel like you got that more from your dad? Yeah, because, you know, he definitely, you know, didn't go by the book. He, you know, he studied economics, not from like a really great school, but he got his bachelor's and, you know, he went into a corporate job. And then he, his dad ended up asking him to take over the bar. 
And, you know, I think he was like reluctant at first, but then he was also like, oh my God, I can be my own boss. I can make my own hours schedule and have the freedom. And it wasn't maybe, do you like my bird clock? Oh my God. (laughs) I haven't ever seen anything like that in my life. I love it. It's so funny. I love it. But yeah, so I mean, he kind of, he, I mean, and it wasn't a lot of money. But it was also something about it that was like, you just have to realize what's important to you is the expensive car and the like massive house and lavish vacations important? Or is it your everyday job and your quality of work-life balance? I don't know. What's important to you, Chelsea? New York City. (laughs) No, seriously, it's Living alone in New York City is super important to me, which really costs something, right? Like that there's a big cost to that. And yet at the same time, what's really important to me is being able to create something that doesn't exist to um, be responsible. That's pretty cool. It really is. I mean, I love what I'm doing. I just need to find a way to have it feed me more, to monetize it. I definitely think it's too soon to give up. Oh my God. And especially nowadays, if you follow Gary Vaynerchuk, yes, it's so true. And it's all about like, I mean, you just need that one podcast, that one video, that one, whatever it may be to really take your business to the next level. And it takes time and it takes consistency. And I truly believe that your product is so professional and it's a niche and it's in need, but it's just somebody hasn't seen it that needs to see it. Mm. It's crazy holding on to the faith like that rather than feeling this panicked sense of fear. I mean, I'm proud that I can consistently put something out there that I haven't given up on it and that I'm doing it without all that applause yet. That really feels good to me. Some people only continue to do things because everyone's applauding them and liking it and everyone's talking about it. But to think that I'm not there yet and I still do it and I care this much about it is exciting because it, it makes me think, you know, just be curious about, God, if I had all the other stuff, how would I feel about it then? What would I give to it then? Oh, yeah. And you probably know this better than I do. I mean... I feel like I'm literally not even talking about what I'm doing to certain people in my family and certain friends because it's just so foreign to them. You know, it's almost like they tell you like, you need to follow your dreams when you're young. But then when you get to a certain age, it's like, oh, no, don't follow your dreams. You need to have health care and you need to have a 401k and you need to like be financially in check. Or like what I told you about my dad earlier, telling me this number for my life insurance. And it was just like, oh my God, does he know what I've chosen with my life? He chose something in his life to do that could allow him to do those things, make those investments. But asking me to take that on, I'm like, I need an extra $10,000 to be paying the rent here. It's so true. It makes the team and it makes us like, can you imagine if we were all doing this, it would be less desirable. Or it's like seeking like what hasn't been done. Exactly. And I talked to Joe Manganello. He's um, an actor who's married to Sofia Vergara. Is that the one from Modern? No, I'm not even going to like. I don't know people's names. Oh, yeah. She is from Modern, Modern Family. Family. 
Really? I got that? Wow. You on it. You talked to the husband? I did. He's from Pittsburgh. Okay. So I'm from Pittsburgh, and we had met at Savoy, which is a restaurant in the Strip, and he just, I don't know what he was doing there, probably some kind of publicity, and this was years ago, and he said, Franco, honestly, it's not about getting the role or getting like the big break. He said, this has happened to so many actors before. They end up accomplishing what they've dreamed of and the goal. And they didn't enjoy the journey getting there because they were just so hard and they were so stressed and they were just, I got to make my parents happy or I got to like make it before I'm 30 or I got to like, and he's like, they get to that point and that money and they're just like what's next what change yeah nothing they're just like what's next so that's why people buy material shit it's not just for the fact that you want to showcase and show off it's because they're like okay so i made it what is going to fill the void in my life that it's missing i've accomplished what i've dreamed of And then you're like, you need to enjoy the journey, he said. And I said, wow, that's really profound because I heard that before, but I didn't hear it in that version. I remember hearing something about you need to have a goal that's big enough that you love the person that you have to become along the way. Yes, yes, yes. It's just kind of like one of those situations where, I mean, you know yourself, like there's so many different channels that you can go with your business. It's like, okay, so once this takes off and once this is like perfected, Mm -hmm. what am I going to work on next when you have like maybe a little small team that's able to take over? It's like, you don't want to just show up and do the same thing. You want to kind of channel yourself into other new projects. It's interesting about not chasing the next thing, but also wanting to try to find the next way up for yourself, elevating yourself. And I guess that's different than choosing the next goal or achievement or thing to have. Because I continually hear people bring up how it's always the next thing and that's never the answer. And yet I think there's something to be said about wanting to take on the next version of yourself that's inspiring and noble. Exactly. And I think in a materialistic sense, which isn't wrong, I guess I look at my mom for inspiration. You know, I'm like, mom, you got the nice car. Like, why do you want like an even nicer car? Like, why do you want to like completely redo the house? Like you got the nice kitchen. Why is there always something that you need to be doing? And she's like, Franco, it's not that like I'm trying to like be like super bougie and like pretentious and materialistic. It's just like I just like to get excited about a vacation or like I like to get excited. You know, it's not about like nothing's ever good enough. She's so happy with what she has and herself. She's kind of like, it's a little treat. You know, it's like when you go out to dinner for your anniversary, it's like, or your birthday. Rewarding herself. Yeah. Yeah. And like not feeling bad about that. I mean, I know myself, like there's a lot of people that are like, oh my God, I don't want to like be too like show offy. I do think that it's important to just like be proud of, you know, your success. What do you think is something that people misunderstand about you? I mean, you have a large following, you have a lot of eyes on you. Well, you know, it's funny. 
I don't feel like I have a large following, but I do feel like I am somebody that is way more crazy, wacky, comedic type. And I kind of went in with this one job when I was younger. It was through my agent and it was just men's brief and then like a GNC because they're based out of Pittsburgh, like a, you know, like a body physique job. And then it kind of spun into that. And I never really felt like that was me. It was just kind of like, oh, well, I mean, like it's paying me some money and I'm a broke college student and it spiraled into being physical and being sexy and, you know, trying to like showcase my physique. That's not really me. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that can relate to that. It was just, it was a little bit of money at the time. And I was a broke college kid. And you had it. Yeah. And and I enjoyed it, but it wasn't like me. When you wrote that post that was about the end of your marriage, was that surprising for people to see you be so like wise and be so inquisitive? Do people not expect that because they see so much body from you? Yes. Yes. A lot of people don't think I have any fucking brain cells. They also think that, you know, I'm kind of vapid and per, like vain. And, you know, I'm going to own this. I'm definitely like probably more shallow when it comes to like somebody's physique. Maybe because like, you know, I know how much hard time and effort it is. And like, I really appreciate that in other people, not just a partner or like a friend, but I really gravitate towards people that take care of themselves. So I look at it as when I put that post about ending the marriage, I kind of was just like, wow, this is so therapeutic to just write it, put it out there, not really care about feedback. And maybe I could have just journaled it in my journal, but I like for people that need to read something and I want people to like relate and realize they're not just the only one. And that there's no shame in the experience. It's not that you're not the only one, but seeing someone that will put it out there and isn't ashamed about how their life pivoted or what they went through. I think that's what people need to be connecting with is not only do I share this experience, but this person is willing to let everyone know about the experience. Yes. And you get it to thank you heartbreak. I mean, I'm so happy that there's a positive spin on it because I probably didn't know anybody that had a positive spin on a breakup. It was almost like even like the two girls that I dated that were serious, it almost felt like it was such a negative, not because I wanted it to be, but probably because I didn't maybe treat them right. And I probably, you know, didn't end it as well as I could have based on my immaturity or based on my age at the time. So I kind of always looked at it as like, oh, thank God that there's a positive spin. I mean, thank God we can like appreciate the good times and not focus on the ending. I think the thing is, is that it's so assumed that breakups are the sob story and something that people commiserate over. And so it's just, if you're never guided into a different question or a different frame of mind, you never try to frame it that way. You never look for the gratitude in it. And I found that like 
when the podcast first started and it was like a Q&A series that asked questions, people said that they had never thought to frame a breakup in the sense, but the moment they were prompted to, they could find the reason that it was a transformative moment. But you almost have to be the person that encourages them to even think like that. Because with breakups, no one has even been challenged to think of it as a good thing. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you've had similar experiences. I mean, not everybody's going to have a clean break and you don't probably expect it to break. And when it does, you have either two choices. You can be like really hurt and emotional and like sit on that for a while, or you can be like, okay, it's going to sting, but like I kind of see this as a new chapter and a new opportunity and let's get to that point. I don't expect it to happen overnight or happen even in a month. I mean, I think it took me probably like maybe six months to totally feel, wow, like I'm not really like crying. I'm not getting teary eyed. I'm not getting like to that emotional state, but I knew at the end of the day and no shade, I dodged a bullet. Yes, I feel you too. (laughs) I don't want that to come across as like shady because I loved this person. And I think that what it was, was just like, we could have made it just work and like kept working on it and kept building on it. And like, maybe it would have been a positive spin, but like probably wouldn't have taken the jump to LA so quickly. No way. It's just, it's hard when you're in a relationship. You had a factor in, okay, um, are we going to do long distance? Uh, Am I going to even go to LA without a job? You really have to be taking that partner into account. Yeah. It's crazy at this point, being single like I've been, it's like, I can't even imagine simultaneously like sitting here and thinking about how this other person's doing. What are they doing with their day? How are they experiencing quarantine? It's been so long that my mind has been taken up by another person. But maybe a healthy relationship won't require me to do that, to be contemplating and ruminating over them. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's a tricky because that could be just a Chelsea thing. What do you mean? Like, I think it could be a healthy relationship. Yes, you're right. Maybe you wouldn't be like consumed with the other person's thoughts and like how they're yeah. like, taking everything. But I also think you might need to let go of just feeling that and just kind of letting yourself just focus on you, but still being conscious of, you know, okay, I want to make them feel good, but I'm not going to harp on them or I'm not going to like, I'm going to take care of myself first and Mm -hmm. then them. Yeah. Because I know that I did that when I was like, I just felt like I can totally relate with you. When I was in the marriage and the relationship, I was like, oh God, like I got to get back for dinner and that's the right thing to do. And like, you know, and then if you Mm -hmm. didn't go back and you went out for drinks with your friends or like they weren't included and you did something like on your own, you're kind of like, oh shit, like we only have two days off a week. We should be spending quality time together. I felt guilty. Even though I did put myself first, I still felt a little guilty when I did that. So I don't like feeling. Like where's the enjoyment really? If you're beating yourself up afterwards or you feel like you have to pay for it afterwards. Yes. And it wasn't necessarily like, 
a bad feeling of spending time. I mean, you hope that you want to spend time with your partner, but we have to probably work on not feeling that. Mm. I mean, it's not just us. It's probably a lot of people. Of course. I think it is. I think that's why a lot of people end up pushing off relationships because they feel like part of the sacrifice is sacrificing your own desires or you're just your own focus on yourself. Yeah. What I really want, and I think it's lofty thinking that, you know, like once I'm in a more secure place with my career, then I'll start dating. I think the dream is to be able to do these things side by side because our whole lives will be creating and adding value to our career and our goals and shifting. It's probably unrealistic to think that you'll ever be in a place when you're ready just to fully go in with someone else. Yeah. I want to find a way to be with someone as maybe I'm still like on unsolid ground with my career. I could give myself to both. Oh yeah. Because I mean, your career is your identity and it's like, not only are you an entrepreneur, like you are in a position where you're young, but you're also like older. So you're wiser. You just kind of know yourself that this is really got to be your focus. Mm -hmm. And I struggle with that too. But I think what I did was I left LA because I knew that with no auditions and no productions going on, I either could A, like stay in my apartment and really focus on like what's important and also spend a lot of time with somebody that I'm kind of unofficially seeing. Like a lot of people chose to do in quarantine. Yes. And I felt like even though that would be so much fun and entertaining and probably unhealthy at times, meaning like just being like consumed with one person, Mm. I chose to hop on that flight that was probably not safe, but it was April 3rd. And, you know, there were like maybe 10% capacity on the plane. And I had my mask on and I said, this is for my career identity self. And also, you know, how many times are you going to really have like all this free time to spend with your family who live across the globe from, or not a globe, I mean, across the country. I feel like, you know, I made this choice to really challenge myself to see I, I, I talked about how I used to really isolate myself and where that took me. And it's like, I want to challenge myself to see how good am I really on my own? What could I be doing here? Would I reach these really low lows? But at the same time, by making that choice for myself to challenge myself, you're right. I forfeited this time with my parents, especially as they get older. It could be that I really regret that. But there's the flip side where I'm not as productive as I would be on my own. And I am getting to a point where, you know, I'm going to be leaving in a week. I'm so ready and looking forward. The only thing I'm worried about is being unproductive and spending time with that person that, you know, I will probably need like maybe 48 hours to reconnect. And then I really got to be disciplined and focused and like, I mean, I'm like you, I have, for the first time in my life, I have my own one bedroom apartment yeah. and it's like, it's, I'm just paying rent for it to remain empty. And then 
spending so much time and like sleepovers with this new person. It's like, okay, wait, you didn't get your own place to just like leave it empty. It's crazy. I know so many people that get their own places and then end up dating someone where they're never there. It's like you're sabotaging yourself. Got to make that leap into your own. Right. And I think what was happening before, I think I let it happen because I had a roommate and, you know, my roommate and I like got along, but it was just the sense of like, okay, like, you know, I I feel like I have more privacy with this new person. For sure. I hear you. Yeah. So then, you know, finally get the new place and it's like, we're only there like two days a week. What the hell? (laughs) No, I think that going back, maybe it's about just like reclaiming that space. Yeah. And hopefully I can make a conscious, disciplined effort. And talking about it with you makes me realize like, okay, Franco, remember you had this conversation with Chelsea and you are going to follow through and make yourself live in your home. <laughs> yeah, make something of it, you know, especially because it's your first time. It's your yeah. first time. And I think that we make different decisions for ourselves when we feel like we love the environment that we're in. You know, like if you don't make your place feel like a home, you'll use every opportunity to leave it, you know, and go try to make a home in someone else. You make different choices for yourself when you like where you are and when you can spend the time with yourself. Yeah, I didn't realize how important the feeling of like bringing in a nice interior, like how it is. I mean, they just redesigned this kitchen with my help. And I'm like, we never really wanted to be in the kitchen because it wasn't like comfortable and it didn't look anything special. It was just cabinets and a normal counter. And now it's like this beautiful, clean, like shiny new place. That's like got these, just really nice stools and it's like okay we just want to be in this room like all the time and I feel like that in my home with the interior and the artwork and like I can even tell in your home like in New York it's so shitty right now but like your space is so cute and beautiful that like it's so safe to be just there and you can enjoy it more than I ever have. I mean, I knew that I was just going to be in here and I knew that I had to keep my morale up. So I've like bought all these mood lightings. I call it Club Chelsea. You know, like I, I just, love that. I just did all these things <laughs> that would make it a place that I want to be and not try to escape from. That is, I mean, the mood lighting is so important. Simple shift. I think though that I remember I used to only do those things for when I was in a relationship. Like I only was really creating a mood for me and someone else. And when you really just start doing it for yourself, you're just not trying to escape into other people. And it's also cool because then you can invite, start inviting people over. You're offering them something. Again, it's what's cool about dating or just entertaining is you see how you're able to make someone feel. Like when someone comes to my apartment and they react and they're just like, I've never felt this comfortable or especially during this pandemic and they see all these lights and it's just like you see what you're offering someone the experience that you're giving them. When you flip that and you stop trying to go and find people to escape into their experiences and you say, hey, I'm the person that's initiating this. I I love that. I need to take notes because this is some real talk because that is so true. And I mean, kind of to touch on that, it is being okay, like being alone that you can finally like make it at home and invite people into that 
because I know myself, like I need to be cool with this. And I am, I think I tricked my brain into thinking I am, but maybe I'm not is being single forever. You have to be cool with that. The possibility. I think I am like I say I am and I want to like really be that. Right. I, it changes I everything. I was not a single person like other people use it in terms of dating lots of people. I was seeing no one. No one was on my mind. Like I was purely responsible for yeah. like any validation or anything that I was giving myself like in terms of leading my life. It was all on me. How do you shut people out that are good candidates? Like, I mean, do you shut somebody out if they like have all the qualities that you like? I think that pretty quickly, I know what type of role someone should play in my life. And I just don't let myself get fooled into the possibility of who someone could be if they started, you know, so I'm just so much more realistic. I don't think that I would turn anyone away if they were this quote unquote, this match for me. I I haven't met anyone yet. They don't match the vision for my future. They wouldn't be a good partner. They bring something out of me now. They make sense for a little part and I keep them to that. Yes. I totally get you. And I think I'm struggling with that right now. This person that is new in my life. I mean, we don't want to make anything like labeled or think we both kind of worry a little bit that the other person's just going to get over it. And then... We want to spend all these times together because it's like cozy and it's fun and it's, there's so much great energy and laughs and love and like, like there's a lot of romance. It's so natural. It's organic. Is that a real indication to be with someone or is that more a sign that you're able to give into the feelings and be present for someone that there's not a certainty with? And I think that's a real okay. like skill, actually. I thought, for example, in order to be enjoying sex with someone, that it could never be casual anymore. And during this quarantine, I really challenged that. And I realized I can be really affectionate with people that I'm not going to have a future with. So is that a skill that I've developed? I think that it is. If you're able to allow yourself to be romantic with someone and the coziness and being at home with someone. Sometimes people will only let themselves do that once they've been told that they're going to be in this relationship. Then they can let go. They don't have fear. They have someone. But if you can do that before, if you can trust someone before, I think you have to celebrate who you've become and give into that and to recognize, my God, I'm able to enjoy this person and just go with it without having to have this label on it and to feel like we belong to each other. It's Uh, so weird. I think it's maybe, you know, you're transitioning into a different part in your life and enjoy this interesting process where you're seeing yourself do things that you wouldn't normally maybe be comfortable with. Yeah. And I mean, (laughs) I don't know why. Like, I think the one thing I will say is... When you see red flags, and I'm saying myself too, Mm -hmm. you know, there's an age gap, there's a sense of, you know, I feel like I'm starting my career and trying to do things and they're like slowing down. But then there's a lot of youthfulness that it's like, okay, I feel like they were matched on like energy and youthfulness, but like there is that red flag of, okay. Just remember when you were younger, you didn't care about the red flags that you saw. 
And you just went with the flow, which was kind of my mentality. I mean, I was like, whatever, go with the flow. But there's something really exciting about the ability to roll with it, but also to choose more because you can anticipate maybe where these red flags will take you. I think it sounds like, you know, you guys are at different quote unquote places and timing in your life. You know how people say relationship comes down to timing. I think the fact that you're jumpstarting your career, maybe he wants to slow down. It could be the perfect balance that he's slowing down and he's excited to see you taking off. Or it could be that he wants to enjoy someone in this more settled way and you can't do that. And it would be compromising how you're starting to ignite yourself. And you have to honor the fact that's an example of the timing is wrong. Yeah, no, timing is important. I mean, and you know, I think it's also totally being conscious of these things. It's just, I have a hard time of distancing myself when I am just having so much fun. Yeah. I need to be disciplined. And I've already communicated that with this person. It's kind of like one of those situations that they agree. And if anything, they support it. And they want to like, almost like an investor, but not just all financially. The supporter, they want to be a leader. They want to see And they want to do something for themselves. They don't want to just, you know, even though like there is a sense of slowing down out of that, I think what you admire in people is I quit the engineering job. They quit their corporate job. It was later in life and they have a lot more to show for it. But there is that sense of, okay, we both have a similar mindset just at different points in our life. And yet- you're matching now. Those mindsets are matching now. Yes. And you know, a lot of people move to New York and LA and who knows, Chicago, Miami, London, wherever. And they want to dream. They have this mind of, oh my God, this is where I'm going to accomplish my career or my goal or my, you know, my relationship. And you know, I, I don't downplay that. I think it's just, you have to be cautious that you're surrounded with all those personalities and you know, you got to focus on what you came there for. You don't have to focus on what other people came there for. Mm. Are you just nervous that you're going to get sidetracked? Yeah, I think I have in a lot of ways where there would be like days where I would just be like, Oh my God, how did I end up in this amazing situation yet? Like, I finally felt like I could just breathe and, like, take a break. And, wow, like, I don't know what relaxation is until I got to this point. Like, I didn't know, like, the feeling, what's the saying in Italian? The feeling of doing nothing. Never just been at peace in not having to be moving and chasing after something. You've never just let yourself rest. I never really took too much time to just rest. I was always on the go. And I didn't really I mean, like I had a cool place in Chinatown, but it was with my partner. And it was with, you know, another person that was there. And that's my God, I don't know if you remember this, but their mother was living with us. Oh, I remember that. I mean, I never had that sense of, you know, it would only be like, okay, it's a week, like I have the place to myself tiptoeing around someone. You're always aware of their presence in your place. Yeah. That's kind of why when I moved to LA, I felt like, and it's not a lot, but like I was making 
more money and spending less money. Uh-huh. And that has something to do with, okay, cost of living's a little bit cheaper. I also like walk to work. I also didn't have that partner that wanted to like go here, do this, do that, do this, do that, do that. Like just do like all these expensive like activities. And then it's also like LA is like warm weather. So you, you enjoy the weather and the nature opposed to the, the going out and, and the yeah. restaurants and the bars. Mm. And I also was working in a bar. I was working there two days a week and I was kind of like, I love this but I don't need to go chase after that on my off days. Wow. Wow. What a change. Yeah. When you talk about the relaxation, are you talking about with this person or are you talking about on your own? I would say both, but more so with them, it was a sense of comfort and also like a sense of, Oh my God, I could wake up. It's not a big space, but it kind of felt like it was my home too. I mean, Mm. I would shower, get ready, plan on going home before work or before I had an event. But then I would be like, oh, like just wear their clothes, get ready here. Like it was just never had that. I've never had that. Yeah, I never had either. It's nice, but it's also, it can be too nice if you know what I mean. (laughs) Wow. Because you feel like you're kind of taking, I don't know, you're taking on their life a bit. Yeah. I would say, I think it was kind of like taking on their life of have fun, relax, party, repeat, eat, sleep, repeat. Right, right. So what happens now that you've been away? Were you, I mean, were you trying to keep in touch the whole time? Were you nervous that it might not be there when you got back? I guess I never really worried about it not being there because I kind of was like, I hope it is but if it's not like i'm not gonna be like devastated if anything i'll be even more focused and more productive could be a relief if it's not there if it's not there it'll be an opening in a different sense it will be it'll be a different sense but i will say like i would probably go through like a, you know some time where i was like oh like wish that would have stayed but you know, like, yeah. like i kind of knew that it wouldn't maybe because There was a little bit of keeping in touch, but then it was nice to not have the pressure of every day. You know, when you're with your family or your friends or you're like on the go and you're doing stuff, it's kind of like you don't get to every text. You don't get to every callback. If anything, it takes maybe a day or two to get back to somebody when you're so like consumed with Mm -hmm. other things. And yet that's hard for people always to believe because usually, you know, when you're into someone, they're front of mind. Exactly. Yeah. And you were trying to protect yourself from falling too easily into something that would consume you. Oh, yeah. And it's making a conscious effort. It's like, wow, say it out loud. Tell your best friend, tell your whoever your confidant, and really be aware and take effort to, you know, be disciplined. I think discipline is the best word because, you know, a lot of times, I procrastinate or I have fun and I probably should have been more disciplined and probably should have got that done, that self-tape done three or four days beforehand instead of doing it an hour before it's due. You know, it reminds me of, I've gone to like psychiatrists and I will just openly tell them without even prompting that like I was addicted to Adderall or I had had an eating disorder. And I will tell them because they'll want to prescribe this. 
don't do it. If I ever seem like I'm getting close and I might need it, don't prescribe it. And I wonder if there's something to be said about relationships, not only voicing it to a friend, but the power of saying aloud the patterns you have that like getting ahead of the problem, maybe. I don't want to just slip into this relationship easily. I mean, some people are so afraid to say those things because it could close a door, it could feel like rejection. But I think that again goes into the power of dating is telling people where you're really at. It's so true. And Chelsea, I mean, like talking to you about it, probably the third person, I do feel like now I don't need to feel guilty saying that to M. Yes. And the same goes with that person. Like, listen, I can be a lot. I can be crazy and I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea. And somebody saying that to me, that doesn't offend me. That actually brings me some sort of joy that like you figured it out. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe it bruises somebody's ego. Maybe it hurts a little of your ego. It's like, oh God. But then you also have to be like, it's not about you molding and conforming to everybody else's needs. You have to be yourself. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't. I think that the worst thing you can be is a chameleon. (gasps) You're so right. And that is a problem. But we all seem like society wants you to be. I don't subscribe to the whole everyone should want (laughs) that I should be for everyone. Yeah. I want everyone to be a fan of me. I keep on going back to, if you're for everyone, you're for no one. I've realized that your delivery could be kinder and telling someone what your intentions are, where you're at, but communicating those up front is very freeing for people because it gives them the chance to make a real decision about where they should be at with you. I think the worst thing you can do in relationships is blindside someone. No guilt in being transparent about something. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like you got to a certain point where you're like, you know, I'm just going to be me? I think that I always, always have. And I've never, thankfully, never suffered from being someone that felt I had to change for a man, right? I've heard those stories. But I'll give you an example where I felt maybe like a little bit, I'm going to be more me. It was a small thing, but this guy was at my place recently. I had bought all these glasses finally. It took me like a year to buy these wine glasses. And he was Uh was just fucking around. His energy was all over. And he knocked over the glass and he broke it. If it's the second date, what do you do? You act like you're cool with it. Oh, no big deal. Don't worry about it. You act like unbothered. But instead, I was like, no, I'm really disappointed with this. I was like, you know what? I'm going to just be me. Like, I'm going to let myself just be disappointed. That is the reality. That is actually what I am. Instead of playing cool and casual and careless. And he was like, no, you, you can be disappointed. You should be disappointed. I just was. And then it was over. And so I think... In other situations, we try to play to what something would be more desirable. And then we feel this resentment, this buildup of already we're trying to make ourselves more desirable for them. And instead, I was just like, if I'm going to really do the dating thing, I am showing up. I'm going to take on feedback. I'm going to try to be kinder in my delivery. I'm not going to hold back so someone chooses me. No, and that's called auditioning. Mm, mm. Because I know a lot of people in our industry, I should say, they want to audition for the part, the role, Mm -hmm. the the man or the woman. And Mm. I mean, we do it sometimes not even consciously. 
And I like what you said, because I'm wondering even now, like, as you say that about the wine glass story, is that me? But I do know that that's not a bad thing. I want to be more like that, like how you're like, I'm going to be disappointed for a minute. And, you know, this new person in my life is like you and they react to shit like that. And I almost want to like snap them out of it and be like, just like be happy. Like it's just a material thing or like, wine glass like yeah. And then you realize, wait, am I like fucking phony? Am I trying to like sugarcoat everything and be like happy go lucky and all that? And then I, I think to myself, like, no, 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 you're cool. Like when you're emotional or when you're like upset, you'll just remove yourself from the situation and you'll feel those things and maybe vent. But for the most part, I am kind of like, ah, don't sweat the small stuff. Like I'll break another one and it'll be funny. I think in the big picture, it's good to be that way, to really let it go. But in the moment, I think that it's fine to be human. Oh, yeah. To react in front of someone and know it's not going to be the end of the world. Yes. I do like seeing different sides of friends and partners and whoever. And when you kind of get to a point where you see like maybe the worst, mm-hmm. you're like, wow, okay, if that's it, we're good. Do you ever feel like you might be a little bit shocking or a bit too much in the beginning to try to test it out to see how much they're willing to take in? That's what I have been doing the last two years because I want to be like, okay, just so you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's still like, you know, it's a conscious effort because it's natural to just kind of want to like win people over if you're interested. Mm. whether that be a friend or whether that be like when uh, people over oh my god yeah when people over yeah i think it's as an actor you know you gotta win the casting director over and you have to hold their attention yeah oh yeah you gotta hold their attention and but you also have to come up with a way that it seems or comes across as authentic and genuine whether it be or not be i mean a good actor doesn't necessarily have to really feel the part you know they just have to showcase that how often do you feel like you're like removed from your body in situations when you're dating and you're just watching yourself play out this role oh yeah i don't know i guess it's been a while because i uh haven't re well i think too like lately there'll be days i would have woken up staying over and this person that i'm kind of hanging out with And I'll be like, oh my God, what am I doing? Like, I'm like seeing like all these bad unhealthy. And when I say unhealthy, just staying up and like partying and like having fun and not getting enough sleep or not, you know, taking care of my nutrition and workouts. And I'm just like, okay, snap out of it. You don't want to watch yourself be some washed up wannabe. That could be like about work too. Like, you know, you don't want to just not advance your career. Like, I've thought about how I wonder if these guys that have come over to my place are just, this is fun for a few nights, but this is wild. This girl, she's always like this, just staying up late and just wild and crazy. But it also brings probably more rigid people to like, oh my God, there is more to life. 
Yeah, because I would say some of these guys that I've seen are really rigid. And oh my God, you should see. It's like this one guy came over and he was just, you know, I never do this. Just the idea that they were in my apartment already the first time we're meeting. He sits down. He's so serious. He's like, I've never felt so comfortable. <gasps> realize how many people oh like just don't feel relaxed. They don't feel like invited in or biggest thing in life is making someone feel familiar. And you yes. just see people relaxing into that. I love that experience. It's kind of cool though, that you bring in these opposites in life because I mean, I've lived it. Opposites do attract and you know, there is a lot of positives because do you really want to be with somebody that's pretty similar? I'm trying to figure it out. You know, I guess it's kind of just all about timing and there's got to be like probably a couple things that are in common. And you've got to want the other thing that the other person, you've got to appreciate, you've got to understand that they're, you know, rounding out the circle, you know, that they're giving you something. Oh, yeah. I probably wouldn't do half the things I've done this past year if it wasn't for this new person, but I would be fine. Not doing it. Exactly. I mean, I'm really glad it happened. If I had the decision, obviously, do new things and travel and see new things, but I'm not going to ever like be trying to keep up with a certain person or lifestyle. Like I have so much fun, the simple things in life, having your own apartment and going to get coffee and getting so many good laughs with people and like these Zoom meetings. Like if we didn't have this, like where would we be? I mean, we would still make do, but like it's so nice to just be able to have this conversation with you and it feels so like natural and real that I'm like, God, these are the things that I am so appreciative. Mm. I don't really need the glitz and glam. If it comes, that's awesome. If it doesn't, I'm going to be really like happy. Did you ever envision Mm. when you were younger what you thought you should do and what you were ultimately meant to do? You know, obviously I wasn't thinking about a breakup coach, but I remember like the first (laughs) dream that I had as a kid, the first dream was I wanted a talk show so badly. And I was like, who would I have to be in order to get that? And so in a small way, having a podcast is that. That's something that we both have in common. I've always, without maybe telling too many people, because you kind of look at like these entertainers and they end up having a talk show because they've built up a name and a brand. When I thought of myself being on a talk show or like hosting a talk show, I always was like, shit, I got to come up with something that I've achieved to like get to that point or I got to have some kind of niche. So like you're the breakup coach. That's a niche. That is something that is unique. And then you see a lot of these actors who the hell was Kelly Ripa before she became Kelly Ripa? She was a soap opera actress that is so weird to me. But then it was just right time, right place. Talk shows probably weren't a dime a dozen. And that kind of was like, you know, the part that she auditioned for and never looked back. And she's amazing at what she does because I never really saw her act, but... I never knew she did that. Right, like you wouldn't because you just assume that maybe she was like a, a journalist or something. Right. 
I think that in my life, what I've had to do is I realized that in a way I couldn't get the jobs. So I had to create the job for myself. So yeah, maybe as a kid, I didn't realize how much I would have to give myself the role right. that wasn't being given to me. Well, let's make this into a uh, live with Chelsea and Franco. Yeah. <laughs> we could do a live next time. Actually, that is probably ideal. And then also, I guess I always thought like, there's so much pressure. I finally got a manager, a talent manager, mm-hmm. and like a small agency. And I'm like, oh my God, like this is what it feels to have a little team. And I'm like, God, I see the light. I didn't see the light before. I thought it was like going through the trenches and the mud. And I'm like, the more you kind of take that step up and like you achieve adding another person to your team and another person. And it's being able to like, really be like, okay, I can't do this on my own. By the way, congratulations, because at a certain point in order to really pull the trigger and get yourself to the next thing, you got to call on others. Well, you're the creator, you're the vision, you're the face, the brand, like, you know, but you can't do everything because you're spreading yourself too thin and then you're not getting the results because you it's, need to focus on what you're really, really good at. It's so true. Um, you are really, really good at connecting and listening, but then also like having that balance of you're bringing expertise and it's not just blah, blah, blah. Like mm-hmm. we've heard a lot of blah, blah, blah. And then you just are like, thank you. Next one. <laughs> you Literally, know, like, thank you next. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, text. I didn't want to go there, but you're right. It's that's it. It like that's what it is. So allow me to help you. I would love that. Frank, yeah. I will take the help. So as you know, I coined the word break upward. And I'm curious what it means to you. So that means to me, wow, like I got a clean slate. I got a new chapter. I am going to make the most out of this life because it is too short. And I love break upward because I'm like, oh my God, like I'm like lifted. I'm like a new character. I can be whoever the fuck I want to be because I'm not tied. Not to say that it's a bad thing to be in a positive, healthy relationship, but would you be breaking up if it was? No. I mean, you let go of the anchor when you broke up and you literally flew away. <gasps> exactly. Yeah. exactly. You are a bird. <laughs> Anytime you want, you can just fly away. If this episode resonated with you, it would mean the absolute world if you could pass it on and let other people know about it. How you can support this podcast is really just sharing it, telling people about it. If you know someone that's hurting in their heart, tell them about Thank You Heartbreak. And if you want to be a guest on Thank You Heartbreak, reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at Thank You Heartbreak, or you can email me directly at Chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-E-A, at BreakUpward, B-R-E-A-K-U-P-W-A-R-D, dot com. 
And if you're interested in one-on-one coaching sessions, you can visit my website, breakupward.com slash shop, where you can check out directly from my site. It's a super, 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 super simple process. Of course, I will answer any of your questions before you book. And again, you can email me at chelsea at breakupward.com. There's many different coaching options. And I would love to show up for you as you begin to show up in more wise and clarifying and secure ways for yourself. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you.